If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this post-birthday episode... Of the oh, mind pump. You feel older, don't you? I know, I do feel it. Probably because we drank so much this weekend. Too. A little, <laughs> all of us are a little tired. Yeah. Look, uh, for the first 37 minutes, we do our introductory conversation. That's where we talk about fun stuff and not too much fitness. After that, we get into the fitness stuff. But to begin with, we start out by talking about the show on Netflix, Sex Education. We're all into that show right now. I think we've talked about that a few times. You yeah. got to go check it out. It's, it's hilarious. We give a little bit of a Vegas recap. We were all in Las Vegas this weekend celebrating my birthday. Partying like animals. Yeah, it was a big one. 30. Wow, I finally turned 30. Crazy. <laughs> nice try. Yeah, yeah I know. Uh, and we talked about using Ned uh, hemp oil extract to help with sleep. Um, it helped me in Vegas go to sleep after a night of partying. And uh, I'm recommending it to Adam right now, who's got the sniffles. Mm, Poor yeah. fella. Mm. Look, if you go to helloned.com, H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com forward slash mind pump, you will get 15% off your first purchase of their full-spectrum hemp oil products. Then I mentioned some statistics about widows uh, to talk about our other sponsor, Health IQ, that provides life insurance to fit and healthy people. So if you're fit and you're healthy, you will get better prices through Health IQ by taking their Health IQ quiz. Um, if you have a family, uh, kids especially, you need to get life insurance. It's extremely important. And if you're fit and healthy, you might as well get the best price uh, possible to get rewarded for your fit and healthy lifestyle. If you go to healthiq.com forward slash mind pump, you can take the health IQ quiz and get yourself a free quote. Then we talked about uh, Microsoft and Google's feel good Super Bowl commercials. Are they trying to make themselves look good? Because oh, man, yeah, they're getting kids. They worked on me. Yeah, we'll see what yeah. happens. Justin brought up uh, something interesting in Beijing. They have anger rooms. Hmm, I feel like someone can benefit from that in this yeah, room. We, we need those here in the States. <laughs> then we talked about the cancer and obesity study that came out showing that there is a rise in obesity-related cancers among the younger generations. These are millennials. You guys need to get up and work out, Come man. Come on, guys. Uh, and then I mentioned uh, this. You might have been seeing this all over social media. Apparently, there's some scientists from Israel saying that they will have the cure for cancer within the next year. So we do our little speculation there. Mm, bold uh, statement. Then we get into the fitness questions. The first question was, what are the pros and cons to working out in a fasted state? So what are the benefits of working out after having a meal? And what are the cons to it? And what are the benefits and cons to working out without having eaten any food? The next question, uh, someone's asking about Tom Brady's TB12 method. Uh, this is all over the internet now. And of course, he just won his, I don't know what number Super Bowl that Sixth. was. Yeah. Sixth Super Bowl. So anything he says is uh, pretty much, you know, it, it's in stone. Now. Yeah. It's, it's like talking yeah. about eating alkalinizing foods and working on pliability, muscle pliability. You know, just throw terms. A lot of other cool terms. Uh, we give our opinion on his TB12 method. The next question uh, this person is a personal trainer, wants to run their own business. Should they train one-on-one -on -one clients for a period of time before going and doing online coaching? Do we think it's a good idea? Um, to put it uh, in a different way, are online coaches who've never worked with clients one-on-one, -on -one, uh, is it a good idea to work with them or are they mm. crap? Uh, and the final question, uh, what is something each of us are passionate enough about to start a business on the side? Um, and we kind of get into talking about what those businesses would look like 
how you can organize them so that you're you can still focus on your main job. Um, and then we talk a little bit about passion in that part of the episode. Passion. Also, uh, this month, Maps Performance. I love this program. This program trains you like an ancient athlete. What do you, what is an ancient athlete? Well, if you picture a sculpture, a Greek or Roman sculpture, and you look at their bodies, what you see is proportion, aesthetic, but you also see function. You see developed muscles that are needed for movement. Uh, the These were the ideals of uh, gods. They were sculpting gods. What did they look like? Well, they based them off of their top warriors and athletes. Well, that's what mass performance is designed to get you to look like and perform like, like an ancient athlete. It's a functional-based program. The workouts are very different. Yes, they are very hard. A lot of people have a tough time getting through some of these workouts. They will kick your ass. Um, and there's a special emphasis on mobility movements, some of which you've probably never seen before. Well, that program is 50% off all month long, half off all month long. You got to go to mapsfitnessproducts.com, use the code GREEN50, G-R-E-E-N, and 5-0, no space, GREEN50 for 50% off. And we also have other MAPS programs on there for different goals and different people. All of those can be found, again, at mapsfitnessproducts.com. T-shirt time! And it's T-shirt time. Oh, it's my favorite time of the week. (laughs) Adam's favorite. We have a number of winners here from iTunes and Facebook. So the iTunes winners are I Squat for Peanut Butter, Jake Conk, Dominic Roman, GRGBDD, and on Facebook we have Ashley Stati Southern, Ashley Dejeet, and Tommy Labo. All of you are winners. Send a name I just read to iTunes at mindpumpmedia.com. Send your shirt size, your shipping address, your Instagram handle, and we'll get that shirt right out to you. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. Started watching that um, show, the Sex Ed show. Oh, you started watching it? Yeah. Good, right? Yeah, it's funny. I didn't know, like, the first episode I was going to see, like, schlong right away. Uh, yeah. It's like, okay. The mom's badass, right? She's funny as fuck. Yeah. She's taking, Dude, that taking advantage of all these little boys. Yeah. Such a, she doesn't take advantage of them. Sure, she, she does. bangs all these young guys. What do you, what do you mean? She yeah. doesn't take advantage of them. She I'm totally only in does. One. She's, episode what? Uh, maybe like six. Uh, she should have already banged by three guys by now. Yeah, but yeah. not. But you say boys. You're not. She's not banging their friends. His no, friends. they're like thirty something. Yeah, they're young. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they're younger than her, but they're men. Oh, well, I mean, I, you're 18. You're a man. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's but. She's they're 20, 30 years younger. She's the point is she's a psychologist she's, and she's taking advantage yes. of weak men. Even if they're fifty, yeah, she's yeah, still yeah. taking advantage of their insecurities and yeah. she's working it so she can get sex. It's a good show though. That's it's a hilar- great it's a great show. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's and funny. What I like about it is how they it's almost like an alternate universe because so many things happen in that show that would never fly in any other you know, yeah. school or whatever. Yeah, you see somebody like banging somebody on campus, like, or, yeah, like whoa, <laughs> what's like, that? I was, like, I was laughing. But they, uh, I like the way that they show. Um, one of my favorite parts of the show is that the, the, the main character on there, that kid, his best friend is a gay is a is a is a gay dude, but they don't make a big deal about it. Yeah, 
they're just it. friends. Yeah, whatever. And they don't—they're not trying to push anything or whatever. They're just yeah. buddies, yeah. and they're really good friends. I really like that, you know, about the show. They don't—I don't feel like they're trying to push yeah, anything I like that. Like that. Uh, do you feel like we still have stuff that, are, that that's pushing the agenda like that? I think sometimes when you watch a movie or a TV, you feel like they they put it in there just because they think they have to. Like they or, want to be politically correct, so they yeah. do it on purpose. Yeah, or they make it a bigger a big deal. Um, you know, like this is not a big deal on the show. He's, his best friend is a gay dude, yeah. and they're both guys. And nobody cares. Nobody says anything. It's about way it. more relatable. Where, where is yeah. it based out of again? It's like it's somewhere in Europe, right? The UK. Is it? Yeah. yeah. So are they are they more forward thinking with that than we are, or were they behind? Do you uh, know? It's a I good question. Statistically speaking, when they do um, studies on open mindedness uh, around interracial relationships, around uh, relationships with gay people, um, America tends to rank among the highest. Um, although what all the Western European nations are pretty, pretty well, high. We typically. still have the most diversity out of, I mean, is that the case? Uh, Countrywide like we are. Yeah. Yeah. Countrywide. Definitely. Um, so, but, but like I said, I like the, I like the way that they, they don't seem to push anything. It's just the part of the story. How far, how far are you guys? How far I'm are you only just? two in. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm like six or seven episodes. Okay. I can't, there's some, there's some stuff coming up that uh, it'll be interesting to talk with you guys. I called something that Katrina was like, what, how did you see that? I'm like, I could just tell. Okay. Yeah. 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 So we'll see. I, I don't want to ruin anything for you guys. You know what? Get further along. Yeah. As I'm watching this series, what blows me away about how new, like these new formats like Netflix, and I say new, but uh, for someone like me, it's new. How the reason why they're so fascinating is in the past when you would watch a movie, you they could only really develop a minimum amount of characters, right? You could only de- really, really develop like three or four characters. Yeah, you only have so much time. That's it. Yeah. You're, but with these series that are where you're watching one series, one season is. 10 episodes. Each episode is an hour long. So you're mm-hmm. looking at about, or almost an hour long. So it's nine to 10 hours worth of content in just one season. <clears throat> they have the ability to develop all the characters. Yeah. And they have the ability to develop the character so much that they can be complex in the sense that in the past, a character was either good or bad. Right. Where with, with this kind of format, a character can be both. Like they're all flawed. Like you can see how you like them, you don't like them, you that's like them, you don't like that's them. That's interesting that you point that out because I think that's what made like um, Game of Thrones so oh, so epic. Was, probably yeah. that could have never been a movie. No, there's just way too much well, involved. You what they did was exactly what Sal just pointed out, which I find it fascinating that you you use that point when you haven't seen Game of Thrones yet because that's what I think is what makes it so special in comparison to almost any other show I've ever seen. It's rare. It's rare that you have a character that you you go back and forth on how you feel about them. Yeah. And Game of Thrones pulls you around like that with so many characters. I mean, they make you fall in love with somebody, then they fucking die. Or you lo- you love someone, then you hate them, then you love them, then you hate them, or you can't make your mind up because they have so many different. I I'm, mean, see, I'm, well, I'm, to the point of the they, they have, like novels can actually live uh, in these types of formats. Yes, so yeah. It, I remember actually reading that uh, they were going to redo Lord of the Rings again. And it was like, I don't know if HBO or Netflix bought the rights to it, but because there's so much more, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, content wise that they could have produced. And they tried by making four, you know, movies. And they were epic. And and I thought that, you know, he he did a good job 
uh, with what he what he could do in his, his time frame, but it's like so. Do you it's guys so deep? Do you guys see series like that? For example, Lord of the Rings in the future may not even go to movies; may end up being this big Netflix series over you know nine se- it'd be because that could have easily yeah. been stretched probably over like five seasons. At I, least. If it's an epic novel like that, it almost has to live more in that type of a format well and for me it's more than just looking at the specific show itself like you're bringing up um you know the, the show you were just talking about that you know was so epic Be- i'm looking beyond that and witnessing how this format is changing the way we are able to communicate um ideas and stuff to each, to, to each other because remember this this drives culture movies have driven culture for a long time tv has driven culture for a long time but now you can get so much more complex with what you're trying to communicate. Uh, I think it's uh, I think it's going to be very interesting. Like podcasting, for example, our ability to have a conversation, uh, you know, over a topic for an hour and a half. Whereas before, you had a TV, you know, you had a talk show or whatever, and a topic would be covered for maybe ten minutes. So I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Look at that. Amazon bought it. Wow, I was wrong. Yeah. It's wow. confirmed too, huh? Exactly a five, five seasons. Five yeah. seasons. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. You know, speaking of driving culture like that, you know, uh, the the commercials for Super Bowl, one of the or three of the commercials were around Game of Thrones. They were the Bud Light commercials. Bud Light totally piggybacked off of that, which I think was was brilliant. You know. Did you guys see some of the other commercials that were well, on? Well, the there? ones you showed us, uh, I thought they were. Yeah, we were like in transition on uh, trying to get a plane while like everything was going on. So yeah, we just got caught up on the commercials. That oh, you, you didn't make us. it either. You you didn't come earlier either. You didn't come no, I, we were on the same plane, but our yeah. plane got uh, delayed. Yeah. So we, yeah, we didn't Somebody get back blew to up like the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, dude, the <laughs> plane was delayed because the bathroom. How was, was we had a lot of turbulence? How was you? How were yeah, you? Yeah, it was gnarly. Yeah, oh, was, I fell uh, asleep, dude. Yeah, it was gnarly. That was a hard Courtney weekend. Courtney was just like freaking out. Yeah, dude. how you feeling there, buddy? I'm sick. You're a dog, man. <laughs> you went, fucking pissed. You went hard on my birthday, there, buddy. Oh man. Oh, dude. I, you know, I, I sh- got video of you, by the way, and I have not haven't posted it. I don't think I'm going to post it, but I'm going to save it. <laughs> I got I got video of you getting down. Oh yeah, I, I don't I don't really get down actually. Down. I, you know who really got down on video? Doug. Doug. Yeah. Doug was losing his shit a few yeah, times I loved on the it. dance floor. Yeah. Doug, yeah, was, Doug, Doug was cutting a rug. Yeah, Doug looked like he got down pretty good. I really was disappointed with the music, dude. I was. Uh, uh, yeah, agreed. Yeah, Tiesto was. Uh, I'm not a fan, man. I, no. I think that must have been the first time I heard him spin, and I was excited for it. And when he came out, well, first I didn't like the opener because I was like, man, this guy is so choppy. I can't get into my rhythm. And and then it, I'm like, I kept telling Katrina, I'm like, you know, he'll come out. He'll come out probably at midnight. And I don't think he came out till one, right? It was one. Yeah. One o'clock he comes out. And I'm pumped that he's coming out. I'm all hyped. Yeah, all right. Here comes the main event. It's going to be great music here on out. And he stayed with almost the same rhythm as the guy who opened. It didn't change. It didn't yeah. change. I told that to Jessica. I'm like, I can't tell when the guy came out and we. I before. had no idea. It was yeah. the same thing. And I mean, he'd have he'd he'd drop one that'd be great, and he'd be going for about like 90 seconds or so, and I'd just be starting to start to get into it, and then I would he'd switch, yeah. and and I'm like, man, yeah. I just, and it was like a hard contrast. It was like. Yeah. Like, oh shit! What do yeah. I do now? Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> it's like trying to like it's already, chop the air. It's already in my hard hands. enough being a white yeah. guy and dancing, and then right? it's even harder when you have someone who's like making no, transitions. That's, that's like my. That. That's like, also, come on, man. I'll tell you what, though. I was having some realizations in there. Well, first off, I appreciated everybody that was that was there for that. It was awesome. So I was having a good time because of the people. Yeah. But I uh, I was having some realizations like this is the last time I'm ever going to go to a club. 
yeah. so loud that I don't understand anymore why it's so loud. And I don't think it's because it got louder. I think it's because I got older. Probably. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It was so, a couple times I was looking at Justin like, I might have to go. Yeah, because I, was, gonna, I was probably plugging my ears. Yeah. yeah. It was so fucking loud yeah. in there. Oh, that but that's how loud they always have been. Yeah, yeah, no, it's always been like that. Oh, <laughs> my ears, dude, we went back to the room and all I hear, like, all night. Yeah. All night in bed. Yeah, no. Just my, trying my to sleep helped. all night long. Uh, you know what helped, though? It was fun, though. Thankfully, I had the Ned uh, with me. The, 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 <laughs> Did you double that up or what? Yes, dude, because I'm laying there. I hear the bee. And I also, it's hard to sleep when I drink. Yeah. I just, I'm in and out. So I just pounded a bunch of the, a bunch of the hemp oil, and uh, that helped quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. I should have done You that. should actually use that tonight because you're, you're, you're not feeling so good. No, that's a good call. I mean, it's on my edge. I already did like our you know, Organifi stack and all of our other stuff this morning to start. That's like the first thing I do. If I start feeling this, like I've taken the Mucinex, I took the Sudafed, I've got the Elderberry. I've oh, you not, said it right. Elderberry. Yeah, and I've pounded my green juice and I'm drinking water like crazy. Yeah. And then tonight, you know, I'll, I'll probably take some NyQuil and then Ned and that'll be like the NyQuil Ned knockout. <laughs> Dude, how about, knock you out. how about the dinner the first night though? Best steak oh, of my life. Oof. Tell me that wasn't the most. Bro, oh, I am, I am melt a, my mouth. I'm a steak snob too, and I'll, I've gone all over the place. I've had, and you talk about Ruth Chris, Alexander's, you know, uh, Willard Hicks, the Sellers, the Forbes Mill. I've had them all, dude. And I'm yeah. telling you right now, that was the best fucking steak I've ever had in my life. Well, it was. Yeah, I'll go back just for that. But what was it called? Bizarre. Bizarre. Bizarre, Bizarre Meats. It's yeah. SLS, which yeah. uh, was a uh, Brian Gay, who's in our forum. want to give him a shout out. Hell he, yeah. Oh, dude. They really took care of us. Much love. Yeah, dude. we go in there. First of all, the restaurant was gorgeous, um, but then they bring the food out, and it was like where we were sharing or whatever. And um, uh, how about the, what was that in the beginning? It was a cotton candy. Foie gras. Foie gras. Yeah. That was weird. That was a weird combination. The, duck, the duck liver. I didn't yeah. understand it, but I ate it. And yeah. It, it duck, worked. It was like raw they, It's duck. like tricking you to eat duck <laughs> like, Yeah, I was like, ooh, candy. Yeah. What? Huh? Yeah, raw, you tricked me. raw duck liver with like cotton candy around it. That was a, that was definitely yeah, yeah. different. I mean, all of it was great and amazing, but I could have just ate the, the filet and the ribeyes with those mashed potatoes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would have loved to just... Gorge. Those are insanely good. And then the wine pairings between like every single course. It was like six, seven courses or something. It was just like, okay, here's a wine pairing with this one. And yeah. I told like, oh, part wow. of the reason why I gambled as much as I did was I told Katrina, I was like, I'm we're coming back here just for dinner. I'm like, I that was that good of a steak that I'll fly out to Vegas for a, like a night just yeah. with her. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm gonna and I told her, I was like, I'm just gonna I'm gonna put a lot of time on the tables while we're here so I get a comped room. Did you did you do well or did you go did you lose? No, I got cracked. Did you <laughs> did yeah. you really Yeah, I got You cracked. were hot the first night. Uh yeah, I had I mean I had my moments. Like when I play craps, I definitely have it's it's all about riding the wave and I think that if we, if I wasn't so tired that night, what? Hang I loose. Said hang loose. Oh yeah. yeah, no. It's you have to be able to. You have to be able to ride the wave. All you need is like one, one good roller an hour, if you manage your money and you bet correctly. And so, you know, when you see me, sometimes you'll see like those those little runs, and I'm making good money and I'm raking back. But overall, it was like this kind of slow. You know, I'm losing money, losing money, losing money. I get back and then I lose money. I think it only one time. Was I actually up like four or five hundred bucks? I mean, I walked away the first day up a few hundred. I think I was up like three, yeah. four hundred dollars the first day, and then the second day I was up maybe four or five hundred at one moment. 
But I mean, that was after like hours and hours of going I, uh, back and forth. I, I barely gambled, but I did uh, come out sixty dollars on top. You want to know how? <laughs> so we leave. We we were on our way to the airport. I probably had broke even. I'd only taken out a couple hundred bucks to gamble because I'm not a gambler, and uh, I, I broke even. So I'd say like, whatever. We get in the we get to the airport, and I had a five dollar bill in my wallet. And I know that the the slot machines in the in the airport they're the tightest. Those are the ones that they they never win, right? Because they they know it's your last chance. Right. They're going to screw you. Why would they want to give you money? At least that's what I've read, right? So I put a five dollar bill in one of the machines. I'm like, eh, let's see what happens. And I just pushed it once, sixty bucks, one sixty bucks. Shut up. Yeah. So thank you, Vegas. Oh, that's so that good. My 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 cousins loved you guys. Yeah. Fucking love. Oh, they're great people, man. Yeah. Yeah. I had a great time with them. Yeah, yeah it, was it, was a really, it was a good fit. Really good group of guys. Yeah, really good and girls. I mean, the, yeah, the, everybody, everybody's everybody was coupled up. Yeah, and, Courtney, uh, you know, had a great time with them as well. She was telling me. I saw know. them; they were hitting it off. It's totally. that's cool. One of the one of the best feelings in the world is when you get a bunch of people that are important to you um, together, and that they don't all necessarily know each other, and just to see them all, you know, gel. It's a very nice feeling to see that. You know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that's something that happens like maybe as you get closer to adulthood when you're younger I don't think that happens as much I think it's really tough to bring different groups of people and mesh them all together. maybe because you kind of filter them out maybe because you're along. you're different with each of them so different that they don't necessarily yeah I think that's, you know what I'm saying yeah I think too as I've gotten older I've you you start to weed off a lot of yeah. people that are you know, maybe you have your friend who you love. Like the difficult one. Yeah, you love like certain things, like whether it be sports or video games or Vegas-type trips or mm-hmm. there's like aspects of your life that maybe are, are seasons that you went through mm-hmm. that you were really into something and that you, you like them like that. But then maybe they're not necessarily the friends that you bring around your family. Yeah, you just know better to kind of invite certain people. Yeah. You know, if you have groups of people. Like, yeah, I've, I know that right away. I have friends and I'm like, okay, we're going to hang out and do our thing like with the three of us only. Yeah. yeah. And that's it. I, yeah. yeah, I think when you're young, Younger, a lot of times what happens is you're you you've got your buddies who you party with but you don't you don't you don't connect on anything else then you have people you connect with over here over work or whatever but nothing else but I think you're right Adam as you get older um, you, you're more you're, you're yourself around more people you don't have to change so much or be different because you're around other people you know well what we, we talked about this a long time ago on the podcast and it was probably one of the harder things that I had to do uh, as I've aged because I did hang out with a lot of people. I had a lot of friends in a lot of different circles and groups and, and you do, you, you create bonds and attachments to certain things. And, you know, it became more stressful as I got older to have people in, in my network that, uh, took a lot of energy from me, you know, either they were needy cause they wanted to do a lot of stuff or I had to give them a lot of attention to keep the, the friendship happy or, they weren't just content with sometimes, hey, let's just chill and do nothing. You know, mm-hmm. let's just chill and do nothing. Or, you know, a lot of it was based off of competitiveness. And so there was this kind of, you know, always trying to be one up on each other or cutting down at one of the friends in the group. And so, you know, I had a lot of friends that I had built relationships with as, as a young, young man. And as I got older, you know, I felt like, fuck, dude, these guys are some of these guys are sucking energy from me or aren't aren't supportive of other people in the group. And I think it's, I think a lot of people get stuck in those relationships. They get stuck and then they allow that, this drama, you know, with friends. And I just, at one point in my life, I realized that like, you know, if you're a real friend of mine, you're going to be, you're going to be about my success and to be about me and all of us, like all of us being good, not about taking, cutting each other down and Mm -hmm. not being, you're not supposed to be trying to suck any life out of this relationship. We should add to each other's lives. Otherwise it's just not worth it. And that was a really tough time for me to to start to piece that together. But over time, 
you know, you start to to realize that. And I think you can tell that we're older because yeah. you've you've done that. You've mm-hmm. you've got your network of people that like this is who I'd want to be with for stuck for three or four days with all you know, all day, all night and you could you could feel that when we yeah. were all together. They, for sure. they they really love dog. Yeah, it was good energy. They, they really like dog. I kept getting texts like Doug's the man. <laughs> we love Doug. <laughs> Apparently, Doug was out. You're out till like four a.m. Doug's a hit each time. <clears throat> I was. Yeah, I, I'm a trooper. Jessica and I were in bed by one two a.m. at the latest each night. Doug was out till. <laughs> So, so they committed to uh, going the distance. (laughs) (laughs) He did. He He plays the endurance game. I told him you were immortal. That's what I said. I said, Doug's immortal. He doesn't get tired. Oh, man. Did you drink a lot? The first night I drank a little too much because it started early. Yeah. And it just went and went and went and went. So, all those wines we had at dinner and we had the alcohol on in the limo and even before that remember when we were all sitting down in the lobby area we were drinking uh-huh. yeah that's oh, what that's right that was that's a long that day too. of drinking that's, right. that's what got me fucked up was we had i forgot that we were all sitting down when we and that was all when we first kind of met uh-huh. <clears throat> we came downstairs all the guys and we decided to pre-drink before dinner which is like five o'clock we're drinking already <laughs> and <laughs> i had i think i had three crown and cokes before we went to dinner and then dinner he wine paired every 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 serving right and it started with champagne and then i think we had i think i had four or five glasses of wine yeah before and yeah then, oh and then God. we went out to another place afterwards yeah. bro you forget that we drank mixing it all you dude. forget that we drank in the limo to the hotel remember oh, yeah. remember yeah. that we stopped at the liquor store oh, yeah, and right. we got we got those pre-mixed uh yeah. like jack and cokes and moscow yeah that was so a bad was, call on it was your like part. a gallon <laughs> that was, yeah, was a bad call that was a bad call i knew better too when we stopped i remember when I, you said it you're like oh let's go stop at the liquor store right now i'm like what we just got here i'm thinking wait a second <laughs> we gotta go hard tomorrow i ain't got two back-to-back nights but I still i'm a, did I'm a har- i go hard in the day as soon as it hits like the, the sun goes down i start to go out i'm done i know you're the, me till like 1 a.m you're the I'm first one to go to bed on your birthday dude yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, isn't that a rule like you can't do that yeah no, I no the rule is he makes my, his own i do what the rules. fuck i want yeah. <laughs> it's your birthday yeah. Yeah, my own yeah. rules. Anyway, dude. So, I, I was supposed to bring up uh health iq to talk about you know because they're one of our sponsors and i was thinking about what i should talk about to the audience because that's a hard it's a hard thing to talk about oftentimes because we're talking about you know life insurance, right? You mm. got to get life insurance. So I thought, how can I communicate the importance of it? And so I looked up some statistics I thought would be kind of fascinating uh, for sure. the audience. Let me hear it. So uh, this is interesting. A widow's total income, they can expect it to go down on average by 37%. That's what it ends up being uh, uh, in the long term. So a lot of times they'll try and make more money to make up for it, but overall it cuts down about 37%. And they can expect to take three months off of work after the death now, uh, of a partner. Now, based on that statistic, wouldn't that mean that they're making 73% of the income then? That's just what it averages out to. And I think what ends up happening is uh, the, they end up having to make more or try to make up for it. But they're showing on average, it averages out to about 37% of a reduction in income. The cost of uh, funeral, all, hmm. all that stuff, is like seven to ten thousand dollars. Yeah. So people take three months off of work, seven to ten grand to pay for all that stuff, plus a drop in income. The the increase in uh, poverty after a loved one has passed away, a partner has passed away, yeah. is astronomical. So, no, know. I it, it's tough, man. Like I to kind of go on this sort of morbid path. Like I, I was, uh, in the process of like when my grandpa died or not my grandpa, my grandma died. And, um, 
I was there with my dad and, and we were going through that whole process with the, with the person at the corner, not the corner, who is it that the, the funeral home, um, trying to kind of sell like what, um, which, you know, which coffin to, to get and all that kind of stuff. And, and it was like, because there was no insurance involved, it was, it was astronomical. And so it, my dad actually like had the decision cause he's a wood maker to, to make it himself. Mm-hmm. And like, we had to go through all that whole process and it was in, insanely difficult and I just don't wish that on anybody else, dude. So did he actually make the coffin? Yeah. Oh shit. No yeah. Way. Because and the thing was like for me, I'm I'm like just burn me, you know, get me into ashes. Like let's make it easy for everybody. But you know when when somebody has the specific wish to you know be buried, so he wanted to honor that, and so mm-hmm. he did he did that for her. But yeah, it was man. I, and I was a kid, so I was like watching this whole process and like how difficult that was. So it's like you just want to think about these things ahead of time. Yeah, go ahead, Doug. Yeah, I was just going to say, one of the things that these statistics don't really reveal, I don't think, is you got a widow and there's children involved, and now the main breadwinner, possibly, possibly the main mm-hmm. breadwinner is no longer there. Now the widow has the kids. What are you going to do with the kids now? You don't have a partner anymore. Mm-hmm. So you have extra daycare expenses, possibly. Now you have to go out and try to make up that gap. Expenses in your, go your, up, huh? Your, yeah, your, your gap in uh, income. So now you're taking on a second job. You're, you know, if you're the person who left the person behind, you've left them in a real mess because now they're working overtime and that type of thing just to stay afloat and the kids are suffering as well. So well, these are all the things I don't think statistics actually reveal. No, and it's not expensive, especially if you're fit and healthy. I, when I went through and did mine, what was it for half a million dollars was like 50 something dollars or something like that. And I'm I'm 40 year old male. So even if you're younger and fit and healthy, it just, it just, I think it's dumb not to not to do it. Jesus, you guys are playing on all the heartstrings this morning. Yeah. I tell you, yeah, this man, reminds this reminds me of the uh, the Super Bowl commercials that I watched with the Microsoft and the uh, Google. Oh, that oh, tore me dude, up. That dude. made me want to cry. Well, that's you, probably why this is turning <laughs> that kind of energy. Well, you know, and what I was trying to show you guys is I found it interesting because we just had this podcast episode with. Um, Mark Weinstein and we were talking about fire and we kind of wrapped it back into this whole this whole tech thing mm-hmm. and being you know like everybody's talking about how amazing it is but then there's all these like these side effects that no one's really talking about and I find it fascinating that Microsoft and Google both big bohemus in the tech world were smart and had these commercials that I think played on everybody's heartstrings. Mm-hmm. I oh, really yeah. did. And I thought, you know, we were right around this time, you know, uh, you know, these books like iGen, Irresistible, they're starting to come out unplugged, they're starting to come out and more and more information is starting to surface on how these companies are building tech for it to be addictive and to get us kind of sucked into it and basically connected to it 24 seven and what a smart way to market on the biggest platform of the year, Super Bowl, yeah. and kind of show you like the amazing things that tech does. Oh, for show us. how it's been helping people with disabilities. Right. Uh, that's amazing. Like uh, just looking at these kids and you know how happy and excited they are to play with their friends on their level and everything. It's like, oh god, that got Dude, me. You, you, there. It's just technology is just in social media being part of it. They're powerful tools, and like any powerful tool. It's it's got lots of different uh, potential uses. Some of them are amazing, and some of them are are terrible. Anytime humans have ever discovered or created any powerful tool, it's been that way. Look, look at nuclear power, right? It has the promise to provide us with endless energy, but also, you know, we created nuclear bombs uh, as a result. So, it, and I've always I've compared tech to our ability to process food and 
and what that did to us. You, there's a lot of good things that came from being able to process food too. Like we now have food that has a long shelf life. We can mass produce food, whereas before people starved to death. Now people have to watch out about eating too much. We can transport food much easier now. So there's a lot of good aspects of it too, but then there's the mm. bad sides. Um, and that's all it is. And, and tech just represents that as well. So with social media, look, I, I can be in contact with family members all over the world and see what's going on with their lives way differently and way better than ever before. Yeah. I can get news and information from around the world, totally decentralized, um, w- you know, much faster, much easier than ever before. It spurred on you know revolutions in the Middle East and, and protests from people who normally were weren't able to communicate with each other and see what's going on. So I think there's some some really really good things about it and they're just they're they're being good with their advertising they're just yeah. they're not going to show pictures of little kids and babies stuck to iPads no. and iPhones no. they're yeah, not going to no. show that no. you know what I mean they're going to make everybody feel really that's good that's why I think that it's they, brilliant you know yeah. what I'm saying you can't watch those commercials and not like oh man Google's yeah. such a good guy yeah you know what I'm saying yeah, yeah, they're yeah. helping disabled kids well there's both you, you gotta know, love them you just gotta be concerned you know that there's there there are like detriments to it and I think that that's you just forget that, like, well, I mean, you see it's so visible, people walking around the street and they're just, like, glued to their phone. No, it's, like, you are, it's such a potential You hazard. are not going to be able to stave off the negatives of social media um, and technology without practices put in place. You're yeah. not. It's just not going to fucking happen. It's like it's like trying to say that you're you're just going to grow up in, in, in America and you're, through sheer willpower you're going to be able to maintain a lean, fit, and healthy body. Yeah. It's not going to happen because daily activity, there is none. Daily daily life is very um, sedentary. And food is everywhere, and it tastes really good. So you have to kind of learn. You have to learn and then put in practices. Okay, I'll work out for yeah. an hour a Abstaining day. Abstaining from things is is the new thing. Yep. Like that, that's, that's what everybody needs to learn, how to implement that in their daily lives. What's interesting to me, I was going to bring this up with you guys, there's, uh, there's a place actually in Be- Beijing, where they've created, to, they've created to alleviate tension, and uh, instead of like the whole the whole cry closet thing that like we've talked about here with like schools that have had that as an option for people that get super stressed out and like you know feel bad like on the opposing end of that like they've actually created a place where you could go fucking smash stuff and like let out your anger and like what yeah they take like old. Uh, technology like old tvs old computers like just old stuff and and you, you get a bat you get like a shield a face shield you get like uh this whole jumpsuit and everything and then you could stay in there as long as you want and smash the shit out of whatever you want and this is all this is the government put these together uh it, i think it's an ind- independent uh, well, uh company <laughs> but controlled by the yeah, government. yeah and i think there. beijing's a little isn't that a little bit different than uh, hong kong i would say oh it's hong kong is yeah. okay so maybe Maybe it has something involved. I have no idea how the government. I'd be involved, afraid but... to go into an anger room because then they're like watching you and they know who went in there. <laughs> like, oh, I'll mark down. Uh, Adam. Right, he's been pissed off three times this week. Make they, sure you put they him said. The... They said some people have come in. Like this lady came in with uh, her her wedding album and everything, and then just like smashed the shit out of it. Oh wow! Yeah, like like it got. But but think about that though. Think about being able to have an outlet for negative energy you know it's like people don't consider that like let's get rid of it let's sort of you know, exercise it you well know? he's showing the video right now of these of these smash rooms i'd want to go in oh, there just the bottles be- oh, i'd love it. it i mean the sound of breaking glass is amazing yeah, that's pretty that'd be fun did yeah. i ever tell you guys i got oh man my cousin and i when we were in fourth grade 
my uncle had a backyard that he he used to keep all these bottles in the back. He just bottles everywhere because uh, he recycled like every every couple of years. And we thought it would be funny to go no. back there and just and you know we're four you know fourth grade kids and started, so we're throwing rocks at all oh, of it and just, I mean we shattered all kinds of glass. God, he got whipped <laughs> and he was <laughs> he got whipped for that one. He was storing them all for for recycling. Yeah, yeah. and you guys just crushed yeah. them. All. I mean, I, you don't think of that as a kid. He's like, oh, your uncle's got all these glass bottles out here. Well, let's throw rocks yeah, at it. That sounds like fun. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. This reminds me of a, a article that um, Jordan Peterson just posted. He wrote this the whole commentary on. They were talking about. He was talking about that. Uh, the that was it. The American Psychiatry Association, I think it's called, or Psychology Association, how they pointed out how masculinity, traditional masculinity, is bad for for boys, and you did this, that, and the other. So he was countering it. And one of the things he was talking about was how, um, statistically speaking, boys in who grow up without fathers are far more aggressive and violent. And you know, antisocial or whatever than boys who grow up with fathers or with male role models. And the point that he made in the article, which I thought was brilliant, was that what boys get from their fathers or from a male role model, one of the important things that they get from them is learning how to integrate their anger into into being a productive member of society. Mm. So like m- males biologically may be born with a tendency towards more aggression. And but learning from a positive male role model, what you learn from them is how to integrate that, right? So that it doesn't come out in ways that are are bad or whatever. Yeah. So I thought so. It's not malicious. It's actually being productive, like you know, using that as a competitive edge, or you know, however you're going to channel that, or just or just how to express it. You know what I mean? Yeah, properly without hurting people and being violent and all that stuff. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, Speaking of of kids, uh, another article that uh, I shared to you guys earlier this morning. I don't know if you guys read about the cancer and obesity uh, article that came out? No. So millennials, I'm going to pull it up right now because I want to make sure I get it right. Um, there, There's certain cancers that are on the rise, um, and they are the obesity-driven ones, and they're finding them start to spike now in millennials. So there's, there's quite a few cancers that are obesity-related, hmm. um, and so I'm going to find a few of them here. Um, so they are uh, like colon cancers, endometrial cancers, gallbladder cancers, kidney, pancreatic, and uh, multiple my- myelomas and cancers of the bone marrow. And they're seeing a spike in those cancers in uh, millennials, which, you know, millennials are young and, and they're at low risk for cancer, but now they're starting to see it spike and they, it's because they're just eating shit. Yeah. They're just out of shape. They're so is it the higher majority that are obese that they found and they correlated? Well, to all this? those all those cancers are related to being obese. So if you're really obese, then your odds of certain cancers goes up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And the, we're seeing a statistic or a trend right now in millennials where those particular cancers are growing. Mm. Getting those cancers is starting to grow. Mm. So I was a little bit. Um, I, I thought they they were considered more healthy. So than, I, that's than what we I thought were. too. Yeah. I was I was, and I th- I don't know if it's maybe I, not. You I know? think they're they're more aware. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think they're more aware, but I don't think I think like they're being advertised too differently. What I, I I would like to see because I've thrown the the statistic about uh, the average you know or the total steps that the average American takes in a day, and a lot of that's based off of like the information that I was reading and getting back when I was a trainer. And I, I would think it's far worse now. I mean, now with 
you know, Uber and DoorDash your food and Uber Eats and scoot electric scooters everywhere and then the what are those the mm-hmm. fucking two wheel things that everyone rides around now <laughs> on? Yeah, what are those uh, I mean, little hoverboard things? Yeah, I mean it's it's gotten to the point that, you know, do we even walk anywhere anymore? And I can't imagine the and we do everything on these computers and phones now. I can't you don't ever see people outside playing or, or walking or riding normal bikes on the street. It's just really rare. It'd be interesting to see what the, the the movement looks like for the millennials now too. I would think that that has a lot to do with it. Obviously Oh, I I I would bet I would 100% bet that millennials move far less than previous generations. Just cuz you just cuz like you're saying Adam the lifestyle. Yeah. Just your normal day-to-day life is so different. Um, than it used to be. But I mean, remember those cancers that I mentioned, those are cancers that happen to people in their 60s and 70s typically. And they're seeing it spike now in millennials. So they're seeing a spike in people who are born in recent decades. Um, and, and they're all these these ones related to obesity. I mean, which which actually brings me to another interesting article. Have you guys seen on social media um, people posting that Israeli scientists are saying that they'll be able to cure oh, all cancers? Oh, I, I did see that article you sent over Yeah, to us. I think it's within a year, they said. What? Did you guys see that? Yeah. No. So the way they explained it, I've been doing a lot of reading on this. Um, as as you know, you guys know that you know cancer to me is a, a it's a uh, it's a big thing, right? I lost somebody very close to me to cancer. So anytime something pops up um, in regards to cancer research, it, it, you know, it really perks my interest. And these scientists are saying that the way that you are going to treat cancer is in a similar way to the way we treat uh, HIV. So if you have HIV today, they give you what's called a cocktail of different types of drugs that work on the virus through, you know, through different means. And this cocktail is, is what's been effective. Now people with HIV today can now live pretty good lives versus you know, 30, 40 years ago where it was pretty much a death sentence. What they're saying with, with, with they're figuring out with their cancer and what they're going to let us know in a year is that they're putting together a cocktail of drugs that will be able to um, eradicate cancers, all cancers, within a few weeks. What? Like an antibiotic almost. What? Now, now here's the thing. These same scientists are from a group that won a Nobel Peace Prize for some other discoveries before, so... I, I, everybody's real skeptical about what's what they're saying. Yeah, but it sounds yeah, like you got some bad issues. Well, let's yeah. see because all 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 these different cancers are also different. That's been the problem is that mm-hmm. they're all very very different. So what may work for one, they're finding doesn't work for another one mm-hmm. or whatever. They're saying you'll be able to cure all of them. So I think that's going to be interesting. I think Do you think be, they'd they would make that claim if they haven't already had some test subjects with like full recovery? It's crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's a little uh, bit shrouded in mystery. That's pretty bold, you know, yeah. to to come out with and that. And then of course you've got the conspiracy theorists who are like, you know, the scientists They've had are all the whole be, time. They're all going to be dead, it, you know. Oh yeah. They're all going to be killed because the pharma oh, companies aren't going to want them, yeah. you know, to, to come out with that cure. But you know, it, it, it makes me wonder like you, we were talking about Millennials and how their their obesity rates uh, or cancers related to obesity is going up, inactivity, all these different things. As medicine figures out to cure more and more of these chronic ailments, I think we're going to realize more and more that um, it's not going to be everything that we think it's going to be. It's going to be good, but like if we could cure obesity with a pill, if we could cure diabetes with a pill, if we could get rid of cancer with drugs. Um, that's not going to give you all of the benefits that you'll get from leading a healthy uh, life. 
right. know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're still going to be dependent on these substances to provide you with that, you know, the answer for that versus like having the ownership of the process of it getting there. Well, think about if you have an obese, uh, ob- we've all worked with, with clients like this, like really, really obese people. And, you know, if you could snap your fingers and then boom, they were lean. Would that would they would they yield all the benefits that would have come from getting there through the process of you know yeah, no why way. they're treating food a particular way why they're not taking care of themselves that type of stuff so when I heard this I, this thing about the Israeli scientists I was like fuck yes that's so awesome but then also I wonder how people if we if we get to a future where you don't have to worry about a lot of these diseases what will people do yeah how will they live it'll be a different psychological state of mind yeah like think. oh cool I'm yeah. gonna smoke like, like oh, well I got a thing for that yeah I'm yeah, just gonna smoke now all the time you know yeah. as if you know cancer was the only bad thing that came from smoking mm, or whatever. just be a new problem yeah Idiot. this quaz brought to you by Organifi. For those days you fall short on getting your organic veggies or whole food nutrition, Organifi fills the gap with laboratory-tested certified organic superfoods to help give your health and performance the added edge. Try Organifi totally risk-free for 60 days by going to Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. And use the coupon code MINDPUMP for 20% off at checkout. First question is from Mini Fig. What are the pros and cons to exercising in a fasted state? I like the way this question was asked because mm, so do I. It, you, sometimes the question, usually the questions are, should I work out mm-hmm. in a fasted state? Um, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of individual variants here. For, I'll speak from personal experience what the pros and cons are. So what I've experienced personally, and we could talk a little Which bit. Which is about a smart way to says. do it, since yeah. everybody does probably have a lot of a different. Yeah. I think we all have a different experience mm-hmm. with yeah. it. Yeah. So when I when I work out uh, fed, where I've had, uh, and I'm, when I say fed, I don't mean right before my workout. I don't think that's a good idea for most people to eat and then work out immediately afterwards. So I'm talking about when I'll eat like an hour or two or three before. The benefits are I feel a better pump in my workout. I can go longer um, in my workout because I feel like I have more stamina, more endurance. Um, the the drawbacks, I might not have the same kind of stimulated energy. So um, I may go into the workout feeling kind of a little less motivation, not as hyped. When I go into workout fast, I feel light. Um, and I feel stimulated and I feel like I could go uh, real hard. I just can't go as long. So I know if I'm going to do like an hour and a half workout, I probably want to eat something beforehand. If I work out, um, if it's going to be a 45 minute hard workout, heavy lifts, that kind of stuff. And I want to be amped, then I'll go into it fasted. The other thing too, to consider is oftentimes I work out early early in the morning. So if it's 6am in the morning, I won't eat anything. And I know it's technically fasted. But, you know, I, I, I ate dinner the night before at, let's say, 7 or 8 p.m., and then I went to, you know, I didn't do much. So I, I still, your body still stores a lot of the energy. So it's not, it's not as if I fasted all day, was active all day, and then worked out. Yeah. I think that's another thing to, to kind of consider. I think it depends, too, you know, for me, especially with fasting. Like, I, I, could, I could totally agree with a lot of your points in terms of, like, feeling like I'm more mentally sharp and... I have like a more of a focused energy uh, when I'm fasted, but if it's, if I'm like a few days fasted, it it's more like I I I am not like I, I I'm not like prone to lifting heavy, mm. you know. So for me, I know just like I'm not going to be able to exert myself to the level that I could if I had some energy stores there to kind of pull from. But I definitely I really enjoy 
uh, days where I'm doing more of like, you know, like a, just a few reps and I'm, and I'm just focused on central nervous system style training versus like hypertrophy or doing some kind of like endurance based uh, workout. I definitely need to, mm-hmm. you know, eat a, a few hours ahead of time. Uh, I just I perform better. And it does make a substantial difference, uh, but there's times where I definitely I I will fast and and I will have PRs um, just because like all of my focus can be in, in one direction and it, and it works very well. That's that's a, it's exactly it's a great way of putting it. It's like focus energy. Like if I'm fasted, I feel like stimulated, stimulated differently. It's a different yeah. kind of energy. Um, I know Dom Diagostino did a long fast and then went and. and Deadlifted 500 pounds, yeah, something like beast. 10 times or whatever. I've actually hit a couple PRs in a fasted state as well. Hormonally speaking, working out fasted, if you're a healthy, um, you're you know healthy individual, you're going to have higher cortisol um, and higher growth hormone. So technically, you know, from a hormonal standpoint, could be more body fat burning. But uh, technically, may not be as good for for building muscle. I say technically because I think we're split hairs a lot of times. I don't recommend fasted workouts to people who are dealing with a lot of stress. You know, mm-hmm. like if I have a, if I have a client that I'm working with who's not sleeping well and working really really hard all the time and has a stressful life and maybe they're pushing their body to the edge with their workouts and I want to make sure that they don't get sick. I want to make sure that they maintain their health. Um, or if they have hormonal imbalances, I'm not going to have them work out fasted because it's just a, it's just a cortisol bomb and it feels good. You know, you get a lot of these people addicted to that cortisol feeling uh, who are always in that state of high cortisol who feel like they need more and more of it. So these are people who drink lots of caffeine, people who tend to be late to appointments because they get that cortisol spike, people who seem to always be in high stress situations. What they'll do is they'll go and they'll work out fasted and they'll drink coffee or, or take stimulants because they like that cortisol feeling you keep doing that long enough and you'll start to crash. And so those people, what I typically will tell these people is, I don't want you to fast. I actually want you to eat at least every four hours or so. Um, and I definitely don't want you to work out fasted. And uh, at first it kind of sucks for them. They'll tell me that they don't have as much energy or whatever, but it's the only way to do it. Otherwise, like I said, they'll, they'll kick the can down the road and end up in a, in a bad situation. I'm not a fan of training fasted. I don't, uh, in fact, yet I'm, Pro fasting because I think for the health benefits, I think it's a great practice um, for everybody. I think that, and also too with the convenience of food. I mean, we've talked about that. I think one of the best benefits that you get with fasting is just the relationship with food. Realizing like, oh, I don't need to eat all the time, and realizing that you know this breakfast, lunch, and dinner thing is a, a made-up thing. You know, and learning to like really get in touch with your body signals of hunger versus craving. So. I like fasting for those purposes. So when I fast right now, it's typically once or twice a month, and I schedule it on non-workout days. And if I'm going to be working out that day, you know, to like Justin's point, it's definitely not a day that I'm getting after because agreeing with both of you, I, I can tell my my energy isn't there, my strength isn't there, my stamina isn't there. I don't like it. I'm not I'm not a fan of it for those reasons. Now, I do think there are... Lots of cons if you're trying to build. If you're somebody who's right in the middle of a bulk and you're trying to build muscle, I think it can be a, a terrible strategy to be trying to uh, fast during that time. I do like using it when I'm cutting, though. 
Because what I've noticed is if I go into, let's say, a workout like around noon and I, let's say, I skip breakfast and I'm kind of feeling hungry a little bit, but I know that I'm challenging myself to stay fasted, I notice when I go train, it kind of suppresses that that appetite, craving, hunger feeling, and then I can stretch the fast out longer. So I love to incorporate it when I'm in the middle of like a cut for like a show or I've been leaning out for a few weeks. I will incorporate fasting more when I'm training than when I'm actually bulking or in just normal health training. That, that brings up a good point uh, too is when I'm talking to a client and they're asking me about fasting and they've never fasted before, I don't think the first step is to fast and work out fasted. I think that that's a, I think that's a step above just fasting. Do you, mm-hmm. do you know what I'm saying? Like if, if I'm working with a client and they're asking me, hey, Sal, I, I've read about intermittent fasting or you know, I think I want to do a fast. What do you think? And otherwise, the nutrition is good and I think it's a good, okay, this might be a good time for you to try it. I'll, I won't recommend that they work out fasted. I'll, I'll say, yeah, let's try fasting, but let's do it without a workout. We're yeah. going to do it during a, a time when you're on the weekend, you're lounging around, whatever. I think the next level would be to work out while fasted. When I do prolonged fast, I don't work out. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I, I don't. I don't think that's there's too much benefit from it. Um, my fasted workouts today are just like I, I didn't eat breakfast. Like I'm not talking about a 24 or a, a you know a 48 hour. That's a good point. You know type of fast. Um, but again, you, you got to be kind of balanced and be healthy and feel good because you will. You can get a stress response from uh, from fasting if you're if you're already teetering on that edge of too much stress. Um, fasting may push you over that. And women tend to be a little bit more sensitive to it than men. Um, so it's, and again, like you'll find, you'll tend to find that these, you'll get two types of really stressed out people, either the ones that overeat or the ones that undereat. Um, and so you kind of got to, you got to look at each one individually. So look, if you're working, if you have normal workouts, like regular 60 minute weight training workouts with a little bit of cardio, is the difference between fasting and not fasted uh, going to make a huge difference in your in your results? Probably not. You know, this is where we answer the question in a way that I think gets pe- on people's nerves. But it's again, you have to find what works best for you. And from person to person, it's going to be a little bit different. Next question is from Sonali Lifts. Can you discuss Tom Brady's TB12 method, especially his recommendations to eat alkalizing foods and to do muscle pliability work to lengthen and soften the muscles? Do you guys know who, it's not his, he didn't invent this, right? It's his trainer or someone that he's working with. No, he's a Tom player. Brady yeah, no, 12. Of course not. They're using his name to market. I mean, I'm sure he has fucking nothing to do with the programming and it's just smart marketing for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we looked at the website, uh, and went through all the, they don't give you a ton of information. Yeah. Little sound bites here and there. Yeah. So muscle pliability is an interesting term. And, and really what they're referring to is, you know, if you have a muscle that's relaxed, um, and you push into it, does it feel pliable or mm-hmm. does it feel tight? Yeah. And working on pliability can definitely, improve performance but not because you necessarily perform better more so because tight muscles that are tight in that particular sense may cause movement pattern issues so like when i used to train clients um many times they'd come in and and, you know a lot of them would have forward shoulders real common one where the shoulders come forward because they work on the computer and they don't have strong mid backs and so what i would do is i would work on getting them to be able to strengthen 
the action of bringing the shoulders back and also bringing them down to offset that kind of forward shoulder. But on top of the fact that those muscles were weak, their upper trap muscles, which are the muscles that connect kind of like the shoulders to your neck, right? Like the, those are the big muscles you see on football players and stuff. But those, those upper trap muscles were tight. And they were tight because their shoulder girdle, the structure of their shoulders, was trying to be stabilized by the next available muscle because those other muscles were weak in the mid-back. And so what I would have to do is in between sets sometimes, I would push on their traps with my thumbs like a deep tissue massage would. And what that does is it sends a, a, a signal to the central nervous system telling that muscle to relax. So if you ever have a, a muscle knot and you go to the massage therapist and they push on it and you feel the knot dissipate, you feel like, oh my God, I feel so much looser. That's kind of what's happening. So I would do that in order to get those traps out of the way so that then we can strengthen the other muscles. But the working on pliability alone mm. wouldn't do a whole lot because... Well, it most certainly wouldn't lengthen and soften a muscle. N- no. It doesn't work no. that way. No, no, no. That's no, what that's they say in That's old information. Yeah. yeah that's, I think that's just a, a, a branding tactic. These are all there. terms. Yeah. Well, it'll soften it in a different... So when we think soften, we think you're actually changing... Like if I took rubber and I heated up rubber and it gets squishier and if I put it in a fridge in the yeah. freezer it gets harder. That's not really how what we're talking about with the muscles. The temperature of the muscles is the same. It's not softer because it's changed in the sense that um, it's a softer material. It may be softer feeling because it's not partially tensed. I guess would be a, a better way to, to describe. It's not it. flexed. Yeah, it's not partially flexed. Yeah, that's well, it's what interesting because to me this is really kind of speaks more into like like overly specializing. So I'm just focusing on movement for the most part. Like I just want to make that process more fluid, and I'm just gonna. Ninety percent of this program is is bands, mm-hmm. and so it's like you know we're not really trying to build muscle. You know that's not like the highest of focus. We're trying to like get restorative and and it's all about water and it's about you know just like these these nice fluid pumping type movements and then foam rolling and so i think it's i mean it, it, as far as an emphasis on uh like recovery and mobility type practices there's a bit of that in here but i don't see a whole lot more than that it looks like a shittier version of our prime yeah that's what it looks like to me i mean it's a it's something that you, like you just pointed out, Justin, 90% of it is band work. So already we're not going to build a ton of muscle off of this program. It's it's obviously tailored to uh, a group of people that are going to want to be active, care about muscle pliability that are probably aches and pains, just need to move better, feel better. I think it's a, I think it's a smart marketing tactic, but I don't think it's, uh, I, you know, it'd be hard to say how customized this will be. That's what I, the thing that I thought was so brilliant about Prime was the compass piece to prime was you know we built in an assessment in there for people to test themselves and to figure out where do they have these imbalances where should they be doing these specific priming movements to address some of these issues versus just some one blanketed generic program that's just a bunch of it's interesting because like to me immediately you know how we always talk about somebody who's reached the pinnacle of success personally uh, you know, across the board, whether like, you know, you're a bodybuilder, you're, a, a, you know, a high level athlete, obviously Tom Brady is the best of all time, you know, and what's been working for him the most has been like yoga, eating more, uh, you know, like uh, lower inflammatory foods uh, and, and like recovery has been a, like a big focus of his. And so you see that is like all the emphasis in this program is like, but 
for your average person, it's like, okay, I, I still need to like build muscle. I need to like right. And and again, go the great, hard. That's another great point because you're. This is great, and then maybe he does follow something like this. You know, maybe it's not like sometimes they they use like somebody like Tom Brady. They write a program that has nothing to do with what he probably does, like nothing at all. But I, I, you know, looking at what they have put out here, I could see that this is something that Tom Brady's doing right now. You're forty, you're forty one or forty two years old. You've been playing in the NFL. It isn't about he doesn't need to build a bunch more muscle. He doesn't need to get faster than what he is. This guy just needs to stay healthy. Yeah. And so, you know, if you're somebody who's like like that, I could see how you could easily use this program to market to those people. But even then, is it a superior program? I don't think so. I think if you're the same person that I think that this appeals to, I think Prime would be a, a, a much better option for that person and much more customized or individualized for them. Well, the two problems I saw with this, and I didn't dive into the program. We, we, we were just on the website going through the whole site and seeing how they're marketing it, what things that they offer. One problem is with their dietary recommendation, which is to go vegan. Um, there isn't anything that is inherently better about vegan than an omnivore diet. It depends what makes up the vegan diet, and it depends what makes up the omnivore diet, and then the individual and context also depend a lot as well. You can eat a very healthy diet that reduces all your inflammatory markers, um, keeps your body fat low, keeps your hormones you know, balanced, and, and gives you longevity, and have meat in that diet. So that that part right there, I was like, okay, yeah. you know, that I don't agree with. Some people do great on vegans. Some people, most people don't. Okay, that's just a, that's just a fact. As far as the the other aspect that I didn't like. It seems like there's a huge reliance on uh, foam rolling and foam rolling type uh, activities, where you have like the, the the ball that you roll on or the or the tube that you roll on. Now, foam rolling has got some benefit; it's got some utility. And I remember when it first came out and it became a big thing with personal trainers. We thought it was the answer to aches and pains. We thought it was literally the answer. The but we quickly discovered that it wasn't. It's just the band aid. It's a it's a tool, but it can be used as just a band aid. Now I know why they're they're focusing so heavily on the foam roller devices. Well, number one, they can sell them, yeah. so now they have a product that they can sell. Like if I'm Same if with I the supplements, yeah, like priming requires no equipment. You know, we teach priming because priming is actually correcting the issues that are making your IT band tight. It's correcting the issues that are making your piriformis tight, your hips tight. It's the correcting the issues that are making your joints ache and, and it makes it hard for you to get into good movement patterns when you work out. But priming requires no equipment. Priming is using your body, activating muscles. It's a lot of it's intrinsic. Foam rolling requires tools. And so they're putting a lot of emphasis on those tools because they can sell those tools. And the other reason why I think they're putting an emphasis on it is foam rolling is going mainstream. It's about time now, right? It's, it's, it's how it works with fitness. At some point, things that have some validity uh, take a while to penetrate fitness, and then it kind of starts to go mainstream. And so I think you're going to start seeing foam. And now, is it going to go mainstream, and are people going to love it? I think so, because the first time you ever foam roll, it feels oh, amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? It, That's oh, why it's smart. Yeah. Oh, my, my back doesn't hurt anymore because I foam roll. Well, good job, but now you have to foam roll every day. Yeah. You know, um, why don't we correct the issue that's causing that pain to begin with? Right. Now, to be fair, if you exercise to correct pain, you have to exercise all the time as well. However, um, if uh, I'll make this argument right here. If you foam roll and foam rolling takes away the pain and that's all you ever do, eventually that'll stop working too. Mm -hmm. Eventually, it, that Band-Aid isn't going gonna, isn't gonna to be enough. To, to you know uh, to get rid of those issues and this program looks like because they talk a lot about pliability 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 yeah. um, 
I think people are going to love it initially because it feels great, but it's it's incomplete. Um, I guess to, to to say the least. That being said, I am rocking the Tom Brady jersey. Yeah, today. I was gonna say <laughs> I don't watch the Super Bowl. Uh, how did, how, supportive how, over there. How was it? I mean, it was. I, I read it was boring. It, it was the least watched Super Bowl in ten years. A lot of people said it was incredibly boring. I, on the ha- other hand, enjoy uh, a coaching chess match, and that's what it was to mm. me. It was. Uh, it was Bill Belichick. I mean, the Rams with the number one offense coming into that game. You know, averaging like over thirty points a game to hold them all the way to three points. Just talk about the brilliance of scheming. Yeah. I, I thought that was just so. I like those things. I li- it's like when you're uh, when you're someone into jujitsu and you're watching MMA, yeah. you appreciate the laying on the ground stuff different than people that just want to watch a fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and people a lot of people think it was a boring Super Bowl because you just want to see fireworks and scoring. That's why the NFL's gone. It was now. the least watched in ten years. Yeah. Well, that's all the politics that's been happening in NFL. For sure, that that's yep. what's been it's been. A, it, I'm sure it's a, both, right? So, what do you think the NFL is going to do? You think they're going to try and now that they've, they've they've seen the hit, the money hit, are they going to start to clamp down? You think? No, 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 no. I don't think they anything. I mean, I think it just because it panned out that way. I think it was, you know, the. Yeah. I think it, they they the NFL wanted. They'll come back strong next year. The NFL guarantee. wanted the Patriots versus the Saints, the two oldest quarterbacks in the game playing. It would have been history being made. Uh, I think we would have seen more of a shootout. I think that Breeze is a better quarterback. Well, there was controversy with the halftime show, too, with Maroon 5. Did you guys read about that? All these artists were pressuring them to not perform because of you know what happened in the past with uh, uh, Kaepernick. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, and so that. they were getting shit because they performed because a lot of acts turned the NFL down, so we're not going to perform. And, and Maroon 5 was looking for people to perform with them and was having a we tough were time. Anybody fi- in with them? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that I, makes I don't, sense. I don't know, man. I think I think the I think the politics hurt them, you know, more than people realize. Huh. I didn't know that. I didn't know that yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, they always bring in other acts to kind of because it's it's a big show. It's not like a concert you throw. It's like you want to throw an experience out there, and so that you always see people bring on somebody else to kind of mm-hmm. like guest appear or whatever. And you didn't see any of that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, they consider it the biggest concert of the year always. Oh yeah. Yeah, because yeah, think the about views. well, yeah, just think about biggest how many people eyes. how many people are in the stadium and how many eyes are on it it's yeah. by far the biggest concert of the year that anybody throws so well I, wow, think, I didn't know that yeah well we'll see what happens remember what happened with uh the, with baseball when we had tanked for a while and then you had the mm-hmm. you know mark mcguire and all those guys come yeah, out. yeah that out. killed it for me i i, I stopped watching for yeah. quite a, a while but they brought it back with that so we'll see if the nfl can do right. that hmm. next question is from amelia rosland as a new personal trainer wanting to run my own business, would you recommend building clientele through one-on-one training or jumping straight to selling online programs that anyone can purchase? I feel it's important to train in person, but also feel I can reach a wider audience through online programs. Train one-to-one first. Yeah, that's my biggest. It's uh, not even. It's not even. Yeah, a, a, I can't even. It's not even a question. Yeah. If you're going to be... How would you, you... There's so many things... You know, you, how are you going to know? Yeah. Like, how can you, like, like construct parameters for people if you haven't done it I first? think I think online coaching, good online coaching, is far more challenging than coaching one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't... And it's hard because there wasn't online coaching like this when we first started. Um, so... I got to have all the experience first and then have the learning curve of online coaching. But I know for sure what has made what made me successful on as an online coach was the ability to troubleshoot without seeing the person. Like and I would not have been able to do that 
had I not had 15 years prior to that of experience of seeing so many cases and hearing like they're texting me something and I'm like, that's not the first time I've been yeah. told this, right? I know that, oh, you're feeling this ache or pain when you do this. Oh, check this, check this, check that. Could be one of these three things didn't get back to me, right? Mm-hmm. Or, oh, when I'm eating these foods, X, Y, and Z, Adam, I'm feeling this way. Oh, okay, well, let's eliminate this, this, and this because this could be what's going on. I mean, and those are all things, and I'm not seeing this person, so that is way harder. Great I mean, point. If I'm squatting with you, and you're like, oh, Adam, my, you know, my right knee is hurting. And I'm like, well, yeah, no shit. I can see what they're doing and I can totally correct it mm-hmm. right there. Because I'm, But, you know, try coaching online and having to communicate, you know, oh, what did you do yesterday in your workout? What did you feel? What did you notice? What did you whatever? And then try and then a client who doesn't understand anatomy or biomechanics is trying to explain to you what they felt. I mean, that's that's challenging to do in person, mm-hmm. you know, when they're trying to explain to you what's feeling because most people can't communicate that well. So it took all the years of experience for me to be a good online coach because I had to re- I had to lean on that. I had to lean on my experience and go, oh, you know, maybe they're dealing with this. Maybe they're dealing with that. OK, and then communicate that. If you don't have that, I, I can't imagine what it's like coaching online then i just feel like you would do what a lot of these people do which is generic program generic diet copied whatever and then just throw it out there yeah one of the things that makes you effective as a personal trainer is is peeling back layers The, the more connected you can get with your client the more honest that they are with you the more you can observe which allows you to be to to train them better all those things allow you to become a better trainer. What ends up happening with an online client is you're just adding a trillion more layers. So now, right. now I don't see you in person. Now I don't spend an hour with you conversing while we work out. That's a big part too. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're when you're doing an online coaching, it's first of all, let's put let, let me put it this way: having a conversation, an hour conversation in person versus a hour conversation over the phone, that can even be different because you don't have that. You're not looking at the person in the eye. Lots of communication is done non-verbally. A large percentage of conversation is done uh, non-verbally. Um, you're not able to pick up on any of that through the phone. And online coaching doesn't even involve lots of phone calls. Most online coaches they operate mainly through text, so it's yeah, not even text like or email. Yeah. So when you train a client in person, I see you. I'm working out with you. I see how your body moves. We're also talking about fitness and health, and your fitness and health, and your process that entire hour. Mm -hmm. And if I see you two or three days a week, that's two or three hours a week of work I get to do with a client. And then if you multiply that times years, now I've done that with, you know, a hundred clients or hundreds of clients, uh, or maybe even thousands through proxy, right? Through having other trainers work clients and meet with them and all that stuff like, you know, like we would do when we would manage gyms. So you get to kind of learn people that way and know which directions to go um, which you need a lot of when you go online. When you're online, you're, you're you're not you're not able to peer as deep. You're not able to watch what they're doing. You 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 have to you have to have that wisdom going into online coaching. Otherwise, what ends up become what it ends up turning into, which is what I've seen a lot of, is you know here's your cookie cutter stuff. Here's your cookie cutter stuff, and, and you're just going to do this. Just cut your calories. You know? Yeah, and if you have a Move question, and if you have a question, you know, um, you know, you can ask me a question type of deal. Which it, it kind of turns into anyway. Online coaching is fucking hard. Adam hit it right on the on the head. It's hard, not physically difficult, um, not time intensively difficult, but just difficult to be able to deliver quality uh, to to somebody. Mm-hmm. And so that's actually this is a good question to ask an online coach. In fact, 
if you're trying to find a good online coach, you might want to ask them, do they train people in person? And if they do or if they have, how long did they do that for? Right. Because if someone says to you like, no, I, you know, I, I just got my certification. I just went straight to online or, oh, no, I'm a competitive, comp- you know, bikini competitor or whatever, and I just do online. <clears throat> Probably not a person you want to work with. I well, I also think it's it's turning into a race to the bottom, too, where, you know, online coaching is becoming so prevalent that everybody is starting to do it if you're a trainer, even if you don't have that much experience. And then it's just a price war. Who's willing to? Who can create the best, you know, automated systems online and organization piece to handle as many clients so you can drop the price as low as you can? And that just wasn't my model when I was doing it. Mm. Uh, I I increased my price after every, every time I, I once I filled my schedule up and I couldn't take any more clients. Every client that I onboarded after that, I raised at fifty dollars. I just kept doing that, kept doing that until I was charging five hundred dollars a month for online coaching, which is significantly higher than anybody else that I knew that was doing that. And that was because I knew I was providing a really good service. I knew that I was really helping these people. And I still put a lot of weight on them. They had to check in with me every single day. So they had, you know, wait in the evening, wait in the in the morning time, their, uh, their screenshots from their Fat Secret uh, app, and then weekly uh, pictures of a front side and back view for me. And then there, and then I would go from there, and I would adjust their nutrition, I adjust their workouts, and then I they had the ability to text me twenty four seven anytime they wanted to on my phone. So that's a lot of mm. of talking, but it it required that because I I've never trained anybody that doesn't have questions like that. If I was training a client in person, every hour that I saw them, most of the hour was filled with them asking me either nutrition questions or asking me workout questions or complaining mm-hmm. about aches and pains or so I gave them that ability to still be able to communicate with me and answer that stuff. Yeah, it just reminds me of, uh, you know, whatever's hot right now are ways to make money. And I get it too, as a trainer, like you're always like paying attention to the revenue streams that people kind of find themselves into. Like, uh, you know, boot camps, group classes, like there's a lot of opportunities out there uh, to, you know, increase income and and get yourself uh, more clients and exposure. But um, we always we always want to just jump ahead, and there there's a process to that, and you know we could argue all day whether or not which method is is valid or not, but uh, the the core of of personal training is the one to one interaction, and you learn uh, best when you're focused uh, on that person, and then that uh, will reveal somebody else will have a completely different set. Of variables that are going to present to you, and so it's like being able to problem solve and, and and get really good at that is essential. Yeah, think about it this way: if you were to see a doctor virtually, would you want a doctor that uh, is inexperienced or one that has a lot of experience working with people? Because you're not in front of them. Um, if you have, if you want someone to diagnose your car, uh, because would you want someone who's worked on lots of cars in person, or who's ever only worked, you know, virtually? We're this. This is a good question that people are going to be asking about a lot, a lot of jobs. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad we took For this sure. question. I think Taylor sent it over because he must have got it in like a, a DM. I saw uh, a friend of mine this morning who, you know, she's really fit, great shape, um, competed, got herself in incredible shape, uh, has got a, a decently sized Instagram following, and is now decided that she's going to start coaching and training people virtually and has joined an app uh, where there's a bunch of other trainers that do this. And so 
you know, these, and there's smart companies right now that are jumping on board of this. They see the opportunity in this space and they're, they're creating these cool ass apps where they feature all these trainers. I know a couple of these girls that do this and I know they really either one have trained zero people in real life. They've only worked out themselves or two that they, they, they've trained a handful of people and their entire business is going to be built off of their image that they yeah, built their look. their look. And now they're going to be giving advices to, you know, who knows how many people out there that's, uh, you know, if you're a consumer buyer, beware, mm-hmm. you know, just because somebody looks awesome or has a cool Instagram and they're promoting themselves on uh, some, you know, some looks like a legitimate app as a trainer doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be a great trainer. They're going to be able to help you get to your goals. Cause in my experience, it was rare that I got somebody that I could take the, you know, apex, you know, meal plan that got printed off the computer, handed over to that person, write some generic workout, and that person gets great results, has no problems, follows the meal plan. I mean, they're one in they're one in ten. The rest of them, there's issues. Their metabolism's fucked up. They've got all these muscle imbalances. They got all these aches and pains. They have a bunch of psycho- uh, psychological issues going on. You got all this shit that you got to deal with as a trainer. And the experience of the one-on-one, that's where you get all that. And still to this day, I don't have the answers. But I've referenced and I've looked at so many different articles and read so much that it's like, okay, I know if this person might be dealing with these things, they should read this, this, and this. And that is now helped me when I'm online coaching. I can take all of that, that past experience that I can pull on to help troubleshoot these things. It's like I'm training blindfolded. Can imagine walking into the gym and someone saying, all right, Adam, you got your next client. Oh, by the way, we're going to blindfold you. Good luck. Go have a good session. Mm -hmm. And then I'd have to train that client for an hour. Like, imagine how hard that would be. I could do it. You know, I could get by maybe, but it would be really tough to do. That's what online training is. You're Mm -hmm. training blindfolded. Next question is from Free Willy Fitness. What is something each of you are passionate enough about to start a business on if you were developing a side hustle project? Hmm. I think this is kind of a cool question because hmm. we've all done this. Uh, none of us are doing it now because Mind Pump has completely consumed all of our time. But I, is that how he worded it, Doug? I thought it was worded a little bit different than that. Did you type that up exactly how it was worded? I thought he was asking how passionate we needed to be about something in order to start a side business. Oh, mm-hmm. like from where we are now? Right. Like yeah. and, and I thought that was a really good question hmm. because there's things that I've started up that I wasn't passionate about. And I know mm-hmm. we talk a lot about passion and Mind Pump. We are very, uh, we there's a lot of conviction that is brought to this this business from all of us. And I, th- I think that's important if it's something you're going to do long time, uh, full time. But if you have like a side hustle, I've always I've always had a side hustle, except for now that we're in Mind Pump. Uh, other than that, every job I've ever had, I've always had one or two little side hustles that I've doing. And I, I don't need to be passionate about it. I wasn't passionate about car detailing. I wasn't passionate about marijuana. I wasn't mm-hmm. passionate about vending machines. I wasn't passionate about those things at all. But I saw an opportunity and I felt that I was smart enough and capable enough to do it on the side. And so I feel like if you feel that way about something, you're smart enough, you're capable, you see an opportunity, why not? Why not have a, a side hustle that you do that? I think where people make a big mistake is they they do something that they're not passionate about as a career or thinking that they're going to make all this money. And like, I never fooled myself when I started the mobile car, tealing, uh, car deal, t- detailing business. I didn't think that like, oh man, I I know that industry in and out. I'm going to crush this. I was like, hey, this is smart. I've got 
I have a network of people that are clients of mine, that are GMs and VPs, uh, people that have good money, drive Hummers and Corvettes and nice cars and work 10, 12 hours a day. So I can use my network of people to schedule cars to be cleaned at their location. And I, because I've built all these relationships in the gym, I can leverage my current job to make money. And that's something that I always recommend to somebody who's doing a side hustle. If you're going to do a side hustle, my in my experience, the ones that I'm most successful are, are the ones that I leverage off this current business. So a good side hustle for us, if we were to do it, would be like coaching online. And I know Sal's done that with Jessica, where it's like you're already getting a flux of you're getting DMs by the hundreds now. You know, and tons of them want that. What an easy thing to do as a side hustle is online coaching because it, it this works as a feeder to that. That's how the mobile car, car detailing business worked for me. The vending machines was a side hustle from uh, when I was running cannabis clubs. I've got a cannabis clubs. I've got two of them my, uh, that I'm running, and then I I knew every owner for all the cannabis clubs in San Jose, and and all the way up until it had about 170. So I knew all these owners that had these clubs and I was I knew them before they even opened their clubs so I had to create these relationships so I could have these little vending machines that I was started to put in these clubs well it was great because that the my current business that I was doing worked as a feeder into that one I think when it's really challenging is when you have something that's competing or has nothing to do. Yeah, that's a good point. You yeah. know, with what your 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 main hustle or your main because yeah, then it'll take away from your main job. Exactly, and then you end up running into problems. Right. Yeah. I think you have to look at also what your goal is for having a side hustle. Is it to make more money, or is it to uh, you know to bring more quality to your life? Is it because it's something that you enjoy doing? Like if you if you're doing a side hustle because you're passionate about it then you might not want to look at whether or not you're making a lot of money doing it, in which case it becomes kind of a hobby. I know people like this who they they do have a side job. It kind of breaks even, but the really the reality of why they do it isn't because they're trying to make money doing it. It's because they, they really enjoy doing it. Like I have a, a, a buddy who um, is a very successful um, entrepreneur. Um, he also is very passionate about um, mixology, mixing drinks. No joke. He's like, and apparently there's a lot of science and stuff that goes beyond, beyond how to make drinks taste the right way and all that stuff right there. There's a lot of creativity. So on the side, for fun, um, he goes and bartends and, and takes classes and stuff. And really, it just pays for the courses that he takes. And it's just something he does for his own passion. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to kind of consider that as well. I, I, I'm the kind of person that I, I – it's hard for me to do something aside from what I'm really uh, passionate about. So I like what Adam was saying about it being a part of what you're doing because it becomes kind of an extension of the the current main thing that you're doing. You know, it's, it's more of an extension rather than something completely different because yeah. splitting your splitting your mind that way – and splitting your your attention that way can be difficult. Oh, imagine. it's very difficult. And I know, like, it, for me, obviously, like the first thing, like, if, if you go back in in the episodes, you know, as I was on my my kick of trying to create and develop a product uh, and invent something, which to me was totally purely a passion project for um, just to to see something go through fruition in in terms of an idea to full, you know, discovered, like this could help people. And like, that's, that was the passion that drove, uh, Axon when I was working on that. And, um, for, for the most part, for me, 
I realize that, um, yes, it, it has potential benefits and it will help to my, my thought process around it was like, oh, this could be something we could incorporate, you know, programming wise, and this could be something great, but it's completely in uh, a competition of, of what we're trying to uh, do, like in terms of like distracting and, and getting me productive. And so, you know, those are like hard things that you have to understand that um, if, you, if you have like competing uh, projects or goals or, or you're trying to accomplish a lot of things. Uh, you're going to have to weigh it out. And so, you know, you just have to move forward with the one that really drives you. And for me, it's mind pump. And so that's, that's something that I know some people have asked me kind of where it's at and in this and that, and, you know, it, a perfect example of this. Um, so we just had, and I don't know when this is going to drop, but we had this guy on who created a product for Jazzer size. Mm. And, uh, like it was, it's so revealing because what I do see and what you see predominantly with products that make it through and have a breakthrough are the ones that are so insanely uh, cheesy and gimmicky, but they, they serve one purpose and, and people out there just want something that's going to answer one little thing and, and promise a lot of things attached with it. I just have too much integrity to, to develop a product like that. I just don't like, I don't like marketing with that intent. And so for me, that has no appeal to, at all. And like, I don't hate a guy for coming out with a shitty product like that, that people will buy and, and, and be like super pumped on it. Like I, he's going to make a lot of money off of something like that because people want that and that, yeah. that that's what the market wants. And I realize that. And so for me, uh, I'm more passionate about things that will benefit, you know, and, and have a substantial, um, reason behind it that will actually like produce results with people that will be long lasting. Uh- I really like I really like the ideas of, of side hustling for somebody who is has already established himself as an an entrepreneur and is heading that route because I you know I believe it's uh, the average millionaire has seven I think it's seven lines of income and that's tough to do if you're just doing one one gig or one job so starting to create side hustles that may supplement income. Um, you know, when I was running boot camps, when I was doing online business, I was also working other places. So it was always nice to have a, a business that even if it was only generating me twenty to $50,000 a year, you know, that is still, you know, a lot more money than none at all if I wasn't hustling it on the side. And so I, I like the idea of, of doing like different hustles like that, especially if you're leveraging it off the current business that you're doing right now, because you know, then it's like, oh, this is like this little thing I'm doing on the side. It generates a little bit of money and maybe it goes somewhere. Maybe mm-hmm. it turns into something and maybe I, I'm enjoying it. Like Sal was saying, maybe it's just something I like to do. I, you know, uh, people ask a lot of times too, what like my favorite or least favorite business that I ever started up or did. And one of my favorites that I think people, I, the vending machine thing was so cool. And I don't know what it was. I think it was just something about collecting all the $1 bills or something. I don't know or how easy it was. Just like a stripper. All I had to do was fill these soda machines up and, you know, once a week, basically. And then I go back and then I would pick up all this money and then I go buy this. And it was such a fun little gig for me. You mentioned yeah. the statistic about uh, entrepreneur, you know, millionaires having seven streams of income. The other thing about it, having a side business is it you probably want it to be passive. If that's what you if you want to make money off of it. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Then it, it should be passive. Otherwise, it's going to take up a lot of your time. I mean, if you're super passionate about your side hustle, 
uh, at some point you probably want that to be your main hustle, right? Yeah. If you're doing it because you want to make extra money, um, you, you probably want to be able to lever- leverage the main thing you're doing, and you want it to kind of be you want it to be more of like an investment, yeah, and like and like like diversify your investments versus like creating a whole another mega company. And for me, what drives me now is like building a skill set that's going to benefit what we're doing in terms of uh, you know being on the show and making the show better. And so you know, there's some things like writing scripts and doing these types of things that uh, are passions of mine that I you know dabble with, but it's. It, it, again, it's it, it's something that's going to kind of benefit us going forward. Yeah, I like um, I, I like buying a business that's already run, that's making you income. That's one thing you could do. You could buy property, uh, rent it out, make income like that. I think if you, when you count all the streams of income of these millionaires, you're going to see a lot of that kind of stuff, where they buy things, they have their hands off of it, mm-hmm. and then it's just you know kind of paying them. Um, but you know, I'm also a firm believer in this. If you're if you're really focused on what you're doing, you probably want to maintain most of your focus on it. You know, I, I have yet to see anybody really succeed who's super spread out, you yeah. know, or they're doing 15 different you know types of things. Typically, people who really succeed are people who are really focused on what they're doing and putting most of their energy on that one thing. So like when I had trainers that would work for me and they train at different locations and stuff they usually didn't do as well as the trainer that just focused on that on that one gym you know just to give you an example uh, and with that go to mindpumpfree.com and check out our free guides we've got uh, i believe nine guides up there right now you can download all of them they're all free some of them teach you how to work out better how to burn more body fat build more muscle um, uh, or get a better squat again it's mindpumpfree.com you can also find us all on instagram my Instagram page is Mind Pump Sal. Adam is at Mind Pump Adam, and Justin is at Mind Pump Justin. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at MindPumpMedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.